A reading from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus came down with the twelve and stood on a stretch of level ground with a great crowd of his disciples and a large number of the people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. And raising his eyes toward his disciples, Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude and insult you and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven. For their ancestors treated the prophets in the same way. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are filled now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will grieve and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for their ancestors treated the false prophets in this same way. The Gospel of the Lord. Woe betide you. Those were the words that Sister Michael Mary used often, daily really, in her classroom filled with third graders at St. Charles Elementary School. Sister Michael Mary was plump and stout and as firm as a rock. And when she looked at you or any of the other kids in that classroom of third graders and said those awesome words, those awful words, woe betide you, you knew you were in trouble. Mr. Etten, are you tugging on Mary Dahl's braids yet again? Woe betide you. Mr. Rooney, is that your piece of scrap paper on the floor? Pick it up or woe betide you. And you, sir, did I catch your eyes glancing at the answers on Kathleen, Kathleen Thompson's answer sheet? Woe betide you. When Sister Michael Mary used those words, you knew you were in trouble. Woe betide you. Third graders knew well. Those were ominous words indeed. To her credit, Sister Michael Mary also used other words in her classroom of wiggling third graders. Perhaps most notable of her other words were the simple words, Oh, God bless you. When someone picked up a scrap of paper off of the floor and deposited it in a waste can without having been asked, Sister Michael Mary would look at them and smile and say, Oh, God bless you. When someone who was terrible at spelling managed to spell correctly in front of all the other kids, that most 
difficult of words, platypus, Sister Michael Mary would say, oh, God bless you. And, of course, when we held our hands correctly for prayer, and when we said the words without stumbling, and when we remembered the answers to our catechism, Sister Michael Mary would say, oh, God bless you. Now, Sister Michael Mary probably didn't realize this at the time, but her educational methodology actually had its roots in that of Jesus of Nazareth. Sister Michael Mary knew well how to use both blessings and woes to achieve her ends in that classroom of third graders so long ago. Just as Jesus did even longer ago. We hear in today's gospel, Jesus used almost those same words. First, he uses blessings. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are those who are weeping. Blessed are you when people hate you and stomp on you and oppress you and kick you around. But on the other hand, he also uses the woes. Woe to you who are well-fed. Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are the persecutors and the step-honors and those who ridicule and mock others and oppress them even worst of all. Now, Jesus was doing something here that Sister Michael Mary did not do in her classroom of third graders. On the one hand, yes, he's using woes and blessings to both scare and frighten, help people see the consequences of their behavior, and blessings to encourage them and to support them and to lift them up. Sister Mary, Mike, Michael Mary was doing that for sure. But what Jesus was also doing was throwing a wrench into the works of the social system of his time. Jesus knew that the world he lived in, probably pretty much like our own world, was a world in which there was a certain social order. And the order was smooth and it was well-working and it operated just fine. That social order consisted of in Jesus' time, consisted of, well, the Roman occupiers, the oppressors, the people who had all the power, really. They were tough. They maintained their Pax Romana at the edge of a sword. They didn't tolerate a bunch of radicals or revolutionaries among the people under their control. But they did offer order, and they were the powerful ones. They were hated, of course, but they were still powerful, and everybody had to obey them and pay their taxes to them. Within the Jewish community, there was order too. Beneath the Romans, you had a whole level of, pues, uh, of characters like Herod, you know, who's working for the Romans, even as he's pretending to be uh, a, you know, a king of the Jews. Um, you had the tax collectors like little Matthew before his conversion, who collected the money for the Romans and made the whole operation work. He was the, the tendon between the two. But within the Judah, Judaism itself, there was also an important order. You had the high priest at the top. You know, he's at the top of the food chain, the spiritual food chain. You have his priests and other people who work in the temple below him. Below them, you have the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law. 
They have a very important role. They're important. They're holy. They know the word of God. They know the law of God, and they enforce it through their teaching and their looks and their finger-wagging, probably, at times. Below them, you have the ordinary people. They themselves, the ordinary people, are sort of classified into, into castes. Those who have a little bit of money, who don't have to work that hard. You have those who are really desperately poor, not usually from their own fault. You have the sick, the infirm, the lepers, the broken, the cripples. You have the bottom of the food chain, the notorious sinners. The people who have done things that are so wrong that they are unforgivable, that they are rejected, that they are pushed to the margins of society, and they have no relationship to anyone else. And so in this social order, Jesus today throws a huge wrench. He adds turbulence to the system. And though in some ways it's a small wrench that he throws into the works, the consequences, the ripple effects, go on and on and on, even to our own day. What Jesus does with his blessings and his woes is turn upside down that social order. And he says to the people who've gathered there on that plane in Luke's gospel, he says to them, you know who's blessed? Who's really blessed in the eyes of God? It's not the high priest. It's not the priests under the high priest. It's not the Pharisees. It's not the Sadducees. It's not the tax collectors. It's not Herod and his minions. It's certainly not the Romans with all of their power and all of their money and all of their bread and all their other stuff. You know who is blessed? It's the poor. The people who don't have anything. They're the ones who are truly blessed. And when everything comes to its fulfillment, when the kingdom of God comes, the poor will be blessed. They will know the presence of God in their lives because they are humble enough and needy enough and wanting enough that when God comes to them, they will receive the Lord. And you know who else is blessed? It's those who are hungry and those who weep and those who mourn. You know who else is blessed? It's those who are persecuted, those who are looked down upon, those who are unforgivable, those who have sinned. They, when the kingdom of God comes to them, they will know God's forgiveness and God's mercy and God's love. And they will be fed. And they will come to know the love of God because they want it in their lives, because they need it in their lives, because their hearts are longing for it in their lives. On the other hand, woe, you know who's not so blessed in the kingdom of God? It's the rich. You know who's not so blessed in the kingdom of God? It's those who have plenty of bread. Do you know who's not so blessed in the kingdom of God? Those who've got the power, those who've got the money, those who can step on other people without any consequences. Those who hold other people under the head, who their heads underwater, those people are not blessed in the eyes of God and the kingdom of God. 
those who persecute, those who oppress, whether they be Romans or priests or Pharisees, with their haughty hearts and their sense of privilege and their inability to see God's presence in their midst, even though they advertise themselves as holy, holier than thou, holier than the rest of you, they are not so holy. So what's Jesus doing here? He's turning upside down the social order of his day. And the more people begin to see this and understand it, the more it becomes clear exactly what he's doing, that it is in fact true. For it is the poor who see Jesus and recognize him and say, we may be poor, but we are rich in the ways of God. It is, it is the powerful who see Jesus saying, you guys don't have it after all. And the holier than thou's. And the people who think they've already got God in their pocket. <laughs> that, that see what Jesus is doing here. He's disrespecting them. <laughs> He's he's saying, you don't have God in your pocket. You won't see God when God comes to you. Your hearts are not open to God. So you are not really the holy ones. You are not really the ones who, who can tell everyone else how to live their lives and look down upon them if they are sick or weak or broken or or sinners. Jesus, indeed, is throwing a wrench into the works. But he's doing something else as well. He's also proclaiming that this kingdom of God, where all of this transpires, where the poor become rich and where the rich become poor, it's actually happening now in him. The kingdom of God is here in me. I'm the test. How you respond to me is evidence of how you will be seen in the kingdom of God forever and ever and ever. The kingdom of God is here and now. Blessed are the poor. Now, because they see me and know me and love me. Blessed are the hungry because they reach out to me for the bread of life. Blessed are the sinners because they recognize in me God's forgiveness for them and a new chance at life. Blessed are the sick, the lepers, the cripples, the broken in any way because they see in me a new life for them. The hope of health and grace and return to their families and love. And blessed are the sinners because in me they find the forgiveness of God that frees them and gives them a second chance. And those who do not see this, those who do not see in me the kingdom of God, the presence of God, the mercy of God, those who do not have their hearts open to me and to God, woe to them. Not because God is condemning them, but because they are unable to receive God, to see God, to know God, to love God present in me. The kingdom of God is already here where everything gets turned upside down, where the woes and the blessings are reversed. Now, here. So that's what Jesus is up to. 
That was his educational method, but even more than that, that was his way of turning the world upside down forever. And we are the inheritors of that wrench that Jesus throws into the social system of his time. Because even to this day, throughout all the intervening years, his truth, his message, his turning things upside down continues to be part and parcel of our Christian way. Every time a tyrant falls, the kingdom of God is here. Every time a hopeless sinner receives forgiveness and is able to begin a new life, the kingdom of God is here. Every time an oppressor loses the power to oppress, the kingdom of God is here. Every time the hungry stretch out their hands and receive the bread of life, the kingdom of God is here. Every time someone who weeps in grief at the death of someone they love yet sees beyond the grave, the kingdom of God is here. So getting back to Sister Michael Mary in that third grade classroom in St. Charles Elementary School, Sister Michael Mary was great at the woes and she was great even at the God bless you's. But in a way, she was also great in doing what Jesus did. Because even though she was firm, she, she had to be firm to keep that classroom of wiggling third graders in some sort of order. She was also great at taking the kid who was the most troublesome in the classroom and seeing the good in them everyone, the kid, everyone else laughed at and giving them some responsibility that they could do with dignity so that the other kids would not laugh at them. She was great for finding the kid who maybe wasn't getting as much love at home as they might need and therefore acting out because of that need and putting her hand on their shoulder so that they would know that here, they were loved. She was great at forgiving, for letting kids put the past behind them and have a new beginning through her kindness, her hope, her faithfulness, her trust and belief in them. So Sister Michael Mary really was, in her own way, doing what Jesus did turning the social order upside down and saying the poor are rich, the unloved are loved, the unforgivable are forgiven. And in that, even back then, those children who were wiggling away, struggling to grow, struggling to learn, in that third grade classroom at St. Charles Elementary School, through Sister Michael Mary knew that the kingdom of God is here.